0: So hi, I'm Ian Pringle, and this is the Loyalty Podcast from New World Loyalty, where we help you make the most of your loyalty strategies by listening to us talk about what we like to talk about most, which is loyalty and loyalty programs. In this episode, we'll explore the keys to success for loyalty startups. To help me with this fascinating subject, I'm joined by two regular contributors who both have years of experience in loyalty, but also have direct experience of building and ultimately exiting startups. So please welcome Mark Ross-Smith from Malaysia. Hi, Mark. G'day, Ian. Great to be here. Good. And uh, Stuart Mellon from Brisbane. Hi, Stu. Hi, Ian. Hi, listeners. Good to see you again, both. Um, so to get us started tonight, can we give us each a brief introduction to yourselves and talk through some loyalty startups you've been involved with? Mark, I know you had a startup early in your career where you where you started up and exited. Do you want to talk through that? He's a serial entrepreneur. He's a couple of
1: uh, startups and exits.
2: Uh, a couple runs on the board. Um, <laughs> I started my career, um, me and a co-founder in Australia, we started a a social network that uh, transformed into a telco social network. We dealt a lot with, you know, Optus, Telstra, Vodafone in Australia. Uh, Built that up over seven years, uh, eventually sold it in 2013 in a trade sale. Uh, And after that is when I decided to really get into the airline loyalty industry, uh, sort of progressing out of from telco loyalty. And and from there, I, I, I got into hospitality, start a new startup um, to help hotels make more money out of customers that was a spectacular failure i lost a lot of money and um, very expensive learning curve uh, something university can't teach you and i can assure you it was a lot more expensive than university and then uh, these days i'm uh, co-founder uh, of statusmatch.com with Stuart. Uh, we're effectively a loyalty tech startups that works with Major airlines and hotel brands, helping them acquire new high-value customers, and help them monetize their member data in new and exciting ways. Perfect. So um, experience on both sides, success and failure, Mark. I think it's important, you know. Yeah. You know, yeah, when when you failure when you, is really the wrong word because it's really you just you've just tried so much and just it didn't work out how you'd expect it. But what I did get I get from it is a lot of learnings that. You just don't get if you you have you have you know so many wins, right? So it's you know like if you win if we win the race at the Olympics, you don't think yes why did I win? You know it's always the guy that comes second, and for the next four years until the next Olympics, he's like what 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 could I have done better? What went wrong? What can I improve? And so I think you know not getting the outcome you you desire is is important to help you um, you know take the bounce and come back. Um, faster and stronger next time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And
0: um, and Stuart, do you want to talk us through yours?
2: Yeah, so uh, I'm a little bit of a
1: different background to Mark. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an accountant by trade. I'm a, a corporate guy for a long time. Uh, worked at Virgin for a number of years, including some time in the US where I was based in San Francisco near Silicon Valley. You know, I spent two years where every single startup in Silicon Valley probably put a pitch desk pitch deck across my desk and uh, wanted to be connected with Sir Richard Branson and wanted an investment from Sir Richard. So I've been more on the other side, on the corporate side, from a pitch perspective. But um, since exiting corporate life a few years ago, I've helped a number of startups in the community here in Australia, raise capital, negotiate different sorts of notes and debentures, uh, and then uh, also um, you know do some consulting and then step back and, and uh, Mark and myself kind of formed status matches is probably my first startup that you know, maybe on the voice of reason and uh, and <laughs> bring the uh, the corporate mouse to it, but it's uh, dipping my toes into the startup world, and um, you know, it's it's a, a different experience to the corporate life so far. So, okay.
0: um, and I guess from my it. perspective, I've I've been, you know, as 20 28 years in loyalty, and I've seen I've seen several many grow over time, obviously, being in it. so... I was working for EDF Energy when, when they were part of Nectar, and that grew. And obviously, Keith Mills exited that at 350 million pounds. We then, I think, all saw the likes of Rocket Miles grow. When You must have been working in, in Silicon Valley then, Stuart, when Rocket Miles yeah. um, was purchased by Priceline for $20 million, or a rumor of $20 million, let's be clear. <laughs> 20 million um, pounds. And then um, Stocard recently—they've they've recently been bought by Klarna for 110 million euros. So you know we've all seen successful um, startups in loyalty grow and and be, and be be acquired. I guess from my perspective, I've also been on the inside of many um, startups from from the, from my first job in loyalty, which was Shell Smart many years ago, with which was a loyalty program that used smart card technology. Through to I've worked recently on blockchain propositions, on charity propositions and on a off-the-shelf solution for financial services companies. So I've been involved in many, many startups, seen them from beginning to end, I guess. So what are the examples of success we've seen and what were the keys to success there? Again, Mark, do you want to start us off with that one?
2: I'm going to take a different approach here. I'm going to talk about something I did at Malaysia Airlines, um, having you know, had start startups and then and then jumping into a corporate, which is very eye-opening. Um, I decided realized quickly that we needed to deal with more startups we needed really was fresh ideas that's really what it was because you know big companies slow moving not that many great innovation ideas and and so we created a program where startups and small businesses could buy miles from the loyalty program uh, very easily they could just sign up to a website you know put credit card in prepay miles and give miles out to their customers as a as a quasi loyalty program for their own business and we just made it really easy for startups and small businesses to be part of that Uh, and you know businesses just signed up and you know they could they could then sort of get into the airline loyalty ecosystem and and ride off that uh, that partnership to help grow their business because traditionally you know when you when you go to a, a loyalty program and you're a small business or a startup say hey let's do this deal you know it's like that kind of almost business development. Trying to get that deal can take a long, 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 long time. And so we just tried to make it really easy and it uh, worked out really well. Got a, a lot of uh, great coverage for the airline.
1: Well, maybe maybe there's a couple of things there, Mark, just to kind of pick up on. You know, things that work well versus don't work well. I think um, you know, every startup wants to work with the big brands, particularly in the travel industry. And the, the big brands are your big chain hotels and and your big name airlines. Those big brands, however, whilst they're great to work with and have and help you get funding and everything else, they are a very, 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 very long business development cycle. It is not easy to deal with them and get a deal away. Uh, And so... Um, you know, whilst it sounds good that they're buying some miles to give to someone else, I don't think that's really what the startups are looking for. What I've seen successful startups do, you know, you you see a lot that come in and they, they ask for, you know, some sort of a partnership. Often they don't bring a lot of volume or scale with them, and that's often the difficulty. So I think the ones that have been successful tend to have a little bit of volume and scale in their business already before they make the approach to the big name airline or hotel. So my recommendation to a lot of them is go and make your business work first and make it work with with some smaller tier two, tier three airlines and hotels before you try to take on a big customer and deal with the business development into the big airlines and hotels.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Well, reach scale before you go don't don't be reliant on doing the deal reach scale before you do the deal and the two big examples there of course are rocket miles who had access to the inventory you know so they had access to hotel inventory they then created a, if people don't know rocket miles they they basically created a booking engine for people to earn point i mean we all know if you take a hotel like i don't know hilton hilton times square in new york you could if you if you collect miles you could book you could probably get i i'm guessing Thirty different prices, thirty different ways of collecting miles for someone like Avios or, or American Airlines or any you name any frequent flyer program. What Rocket Miles did was say, you know what? I can get I can get inventory for that hotel. I can book it, and I can give people lots and lots of miles for staying at that hotel. So they they sort of found a, a niche in the market and they created critical mass and basically kicked the door in of the of the uh, frequent flyer programs because they basically said, look, do you want to check for a million pounds or not? You know and then other ones like stocard have said you know what i'm going to i'm going to create a wallet where people can put their digital version of their card and i don't even need permission for the brands to do that because all i'm doing is recreating a version of the card which can hold digitally and i don't need permission to do that and they they obviously exited 110 million euros they didn't need permission i'm with you stuart if you it, it, my first piece of advice with my clients who say i want to go and talk to airlines is why yeah what because you're going to waste a lot of time and treasure going after deals where it's just not there. Unless it's important enough to their job, it's not going to be important enough to them to push it through. And so it just takes a long, long, long time to get things stuff, exactly. stuff done.
1: Yeah, maybe this moves on to, to something else, but um, the examples that you see uh, are often ones that are aggregators or consolidators of existing content and inventory that's out there, or... You tend to find that they, are, um, you know, people that are really trying to solve a, a niche problem um, or coming up with a solution for something that has not changed in a long time. The airline industry and, and travel in general, you know, built off the back of the GDS systems uh, back in the nineteen sixties and seventies, and a lot of the tech did not change for thirty or forty years. And you know, the airlines have built a lot of proprietary systems. We've seen a boom in travel tech solutions over the last 10, 15, maybe 20 years even. And um, and I think a lot of them have been in that aggregator consolidator space. But I think there's been some like niche like problem solving ones, um, things around like, last minute bookings and, and you know distressed inventory kind of stuff. Lounge Buddies, another one that was very successful, Ian, that was uh, purchased by... Acquired by Amex in a trade sale, uh, rumored for about 25 million, from what I understand. So, so you know, outside of that niche, the rest are more they're creating a solution or creating a business where something hasn't existed before, or the tech has not been advanced enough. And so, I think I think of ones like Plus Grades. You know, they built a solution and built a uh, a business around something that people hadn't monetized before, how to pay for upgrades. You know, you could upgrade using your points, but really purchasing upgrades or bidding and creating an auction process for, for driving that price uh, and, and increasing the yield, um, that was something that um, was definitely brand new. And um, yeah, I think they raised you know, 100 or 100, 100 to 200 million, somewhere in that kind of ballpark, you know, not that long ago.
0: But I think there's two interesting things you said there. One is, f- solve a problem. And because the airline programs, particularly everyone knows how valuable they are to airline, but they're all underinvested, right? So their tech is old, it's, it, it's creaking at the seams. It's been around since the arc. You know it's, it's, there's so many opportunities in there. But what I'd say is, seek a problem that actually does exist. And I mean, how many times have you, you and I, everyone on this call, heard a startup come in and say the airline's got a liability problem? Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, right, it doesn't. It doesn't, and I'm fed up hearing it because they, you, you if you go to an airline or a big loyalty program and try and tell them they've got a liability problem and you're the, you're their solution because you can help redeem stuff. Just forget it, right? It's, because they've heard it a thousand times.
1: Yeah, it's it's actually a free cash flow. So um, yeah, it's actually yeah, yeah. more like an asset. Um, If
0: if people want to discuss that, by all means, call me up or by all means, have a discussion and get, get, because I'm not going to waste time on this podcast talking about why that's a bad idea. Okay. But please call me up. I'm more than happy to talk about that anytime. The other thing I'd say is beware of full solutions. And I'll take you you through this because um, finding a niche opportunity where you can take some problem off people's hands is perfect, but don't try and take too much because often new entrants into the, the loyalty world try to solve all the problems with a single big solution. And by that they mean, because we know we live in an ecosystem, if you're a big brand like Avios or like American Airlines or like Delta or like even Nectar, people like that, they have all this, they have CRM systems. There's a bunch, It's like a car with lots of different moving parts all over it, right? They will not change all of those moving parts at one time. They'll choose one or two. And the, I, I've worked with a number of startups which have said, But that's crazy. Their wheels don't work very well. I can replace that. But the problem is, is someone's career has been based on these companies by changing those wheels two years ago, right? And the last thing people want to hear is that their baby's ugly. right? And I know this is mixing analogies here. But the problem is, is if you go in and say, I'm going to change this, 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 their eyes glaze over and they go, that's too risky. And, And I know that Jim down the road has spent two years of his life putting that system in. They're just not going to do it they're happy to do little small pieces. Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, I, I think going back to something you said just there before, um, when I was at uh, Velocity at Virgin Australia, you know, the airline was more mature and growing at a very different rate to the loyalty program. Um, but the loyalty program was under-invested and held back because of the capital decisions were being made by the airline. So we were kind of a, the poor cousin... When it came to doing that, but as a loyalty program, then you know um, we knew we had to go and find external partners and do things. Anything we could do to avoid working with our own IT team. Yeah, a lot yeah. of airlines don't get away with that, particularly these days where they're under-resourced themselves, a the loyalty team uh, off the back end of COVID. But um, yeah, you can't go into one of any of these big guys expecting to steal. or or for them to give you any kind of access to their full customer base or their full data set. You're never going to be able to take something away from their ecosystem. You can play in it, but don't think you're gonna pick up and take a whole bunch of customers out with you and, and just go and do something separately. That doesn't fly these days.
0: So moving on to, so given all that, what do you think our three pieces of advice are for startups? Mark, you've got the scars and the, uh, the T-shirt to show this. What would you, what would you say three pieces of advice if you were back in your old days when you, um, when you were young and uh, had
2: all the energy and wanted to sell again? I still have the energy, Ian. The spark, never, <laughs> the spark never dies. For startups, I would say, don't write one line of code until you've validated the product. And when I say validated product, I mean that, that an, an airline or the Lord's program supplier would actually use it because you could spend a lot of money you could spend years building out a great platform uh that has all the bells and whistles and looks great and you know you show your investors and they love it and the airline sort of turns around or whoever you're pitching to and says well you know it's, it's too much to your point you know it's it's taking credit away from jim who spent two years creating this other system that plays in the same area so I think it's really important to to validate what you're going to do first um, before you really go crazy on in, investing stuff. And there's nothing wrong with you know uh, creating an M- MVP and then you know, trying it out, see how it goes, and and just just get started. Uh, I think the second second big thing, and this is from personal experience, is creating new content. You know, just because you can't get a call with the VP doesn't mean they're not interested in your product or they're not following what you do. You know, creating podcasts or writing articles or create a blog or just creating new content, getting out into the world. Again, based on personal experience is a great way to show the wider audience that you you, you kind of know your stuff, you understand the industry and and you're bringing credibility to yourself as well because then your name is out there and you, you're sort of saying, you know, Jim is the expert in this area. Look, here's the article, here's the podcast, here's where he, he talked about this. And what that does is when you're pitching something, it firstly gives you a reason to talk to to people at this loyalty program and say, hey, check out my new podcast, you might like it. And when when you are pitching it internally, they've got some more uh, like a, a body of evidence to justify why they why they should do a deal with you. Because, you know, John is the expert in this. Look at what he's done over here.
0: The one I had in mind, which which backs up what you were saying, was um, about validation: is solve real, not imagined problems. And this is difficult for an entrepreneur because, of course, you see opportunities, but you do have to validate them and make sure they're real. And and this is again going back to that liability problem. Again, I've I've heard that many times, and I I there are some entrepreneurs who aren't listening to the response they get back. Um, or, or that the problem isn't big enough because along, a lot of the ones I hear at blockchain is of course there's inefficiencies. I mean, we've, we've both been loyal, all been in loyalty a long time. In fact, Stuart, you've been in accounts a long time. I have never worked with a partner where the the KPIs, the, the the reports match the invoicing. It just doesn't work, right? No. It, it's it's always out, and it, it just it's but it's never been a problem. And yet the blockchain guys come to me and tell me, "Yeah, but we can make sure it's perfect, and that it's all adds up, and that the the, the, the single open ledger." And you say, "Yeah, but that's Carolyn Account's job, right? And Carolyn Account's been there twenty years, and she, quite frankly, she's not paid that much, and and it's not a massive problem." No. You know?
1: But particularly when you find in a lot of the um, third world countries and, and smaller airlines, they they can easily throw people at solving these kind of inefficiencies. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the other one that gets me and that, that you know kind of fits with that blockchain is the the a little bit of the crypto space and it's a little bit you know I, I kind of say to people know your business model and know whether there is money there to be made or not. Um, know where your margins are. A lot of people come and pitch these ideas, but there's actually no money in it. There's some good ideas and they've got some great customer experience or some great things that, you know, like the blockchain, solve some inefficiencies, but who's going to pay for it? It's not worth anything. So I think you've got to really, to, to test whether these things are going to work, is to find out whether there is money in it and how you're going to make money out of that business model. That's that's the critical one for me. The other um the other bugbear of mine in this and, and um, you know, advisory boards. So many times, particularly in the US, they have advisory boards with like 20 or 30 people on them. Um, you know, I will never join an advisory board where someone has that many people on the advisory board or more advisors than they have staff in the business. It doesn't make sense. You know, yeah, sure, go and get connected and, and get connected in the industry, but just don't get people on as advisors and give them... You know, half a percent of capital or, or whatever just because you want to put their, their name on the list and you think they're going to help, help you do something. Get a proper advisory board and get some help um, that's you know a bit, bit better around the governance and the direction of your business to help you actually prove you've got a business model and prove that you've got a way forward than just putting names on a website of advisors. Doesn't work.
0: And the only one I'd add then is avoid the airlines unless you can get round them. Or avoid the big the big elephants in the jungle, right? There's all these big elephants. If you're a startup and you want to, your your business is dependent on doing deals with the elephants, work a way to creep round them and find a way of not having to deal with them because that that is ultimately they'll have to do a deal with you. Um, yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah, go and build that scale and build your brand first. Uh, and they'll come to you in time. But the other one that, that kind of picks up on that and what Mark sort of said, you know, which you know, we talk about getting connected, blogs, content, LinkedIn, um, you know, we're forgetting about the old days of going to conferences. So as, as conferences start to return, go to conferences, get connected, get face-to-face. There's nothing better than that. And uh, talk to people, you know, have a beer with them, um, You have a meal, Cup of coffee, cup, you know, biscuit at the, at the drinks break, whatever it is. Um, but actually get out there and talk to people and, and road test your ideas, your solutions, and, and your business um, and, and get your brand out there and, and hear from these people um, without expecting anything back from them. You know, some will give you something back and you'll find some great nuggets, some will give you nothing. Some will treat you badly and, and be arrogant and rude from these big airlines that think they know it all. But yeah, there's definitely uh, some airlines out there and some people that have got a, an open mind and an open ear and uh, are willing to help you.
0: And if people want a list of conferences, by all means, contact us through LinkedIn. So contact us through LinkedIn and we're more than happy to share details of conferences all around the world that we've been to that we've had experience of that from because there are, there are good ones and bad ones. Well, that's just about all we've got time for. So please let me thank my guests today. So thank you very much, Mark Ross Smith. Thanks, Ian. It's been great. And thanks, Stuart Mellon.
1: Thanks, Ian. Thanks, listeners.
0: Thanks, then. And uh, if you like this podcast, please like, share, or comment on LinkedIn using the hashtag loyalty podcast. And we look forward to your company again soon. Thanks, then. And goodbye.